The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Objective Podcast, basketball podcast. We're here to talk about basketball, folks. And I can't believe how well we timed this podcast right here. Uh, obviously joined by Lauren Gunn, as always. What up, Lauren? Hello, hello. Trying. <laughs> I am trying to be in a good mood, but I am just not. <laughs> yeah, um, I can. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, we are also joined by a guest, Raj Chapalu. He is with the Playback crew. Uh, he just got off of a, of a three-plus-hour stream watching Lakers, Mavericks, in what was at the beginning, at the very beginning... It seemed like it was an awful game. I was so close to switching it off. I was I, it, I was really tempted. I was like, look, I know I got a podcast, so maybe I'll just fight through it because I want to see what else is out there. Maybe Austin Reeves gives me some good minutes. Maybe I see some improvement. You know, maybe there's a Mo Bamba spot up that I miss and I, I can't talk about it later on. So, folks, I was glad that I got to watch the end of that game. The Lakers came back from down 27 points come back and beat the Mavericks uh I mean I didn't want to start the podcast here but we might have to just because of how impactful he was Jared freaking Vanderbilt man I I can't say enough about what this performance was to what like this Lakers team needs and Raj honestly I'd like to to get your immediate reaction of the game of what you saw because obviously this is such a I would we were talking about it a second ago but I honestly think it might be the win of the season for the Lakers I'm not sure if you're you're there as well but like what what's your initial reaction after this game I'm trying to catch a breath honestly that that was an insane (laughs) experience I thought we were going to start with like the Austin Reeves Josh Green like you know fight back and forth threats yeah. going back and forth with each other but no that was an incredibly fun game and what you just said there is true I think you know wins over the Pelicans who um I believe we're still without are still we're still without Zion right and it was the last game before the all-star break so you can put yeah. like things where, where that win was a lot easier than it should have been and then um and then who they played like who did they just play man I'm, I'm blanking here um, blanket it was too good of a game warriors. i know yes, it's yes. one of those uh, yeah. yeah uh they just played the warriors who were without steph and without andrew wiggins so like you know people took you know that win as well with a grain of salt this one to me legitimized it you have luca you have Kyrie, playoff type atmosphere to me jason kidd and darvin ham going with defense offense subs in a february game you know uh <laughs> attacking different type of mismatches back and forth lebron trying to get the luca switch right and, and luca trying to make sure to punish the traps like it was a playoff intensity game and you talked about i was so sad because i was so excited to come on this show and we were down like 28 and i was like <laughs> or 27 sorry and i'm like man that is a tough one to go on and have to be like yeah vanderbilt and malik beasley i'm so excited and like you know you just get blown out of the out of the waters by your first playoff team but no that was an extremely exciting game to you know watch and i think it legitimized kind of 
I don't know what the Lakers do this year, but I think it legitimized at least the pieces that fit that you can start right. three from 21 from three, down 27, very lethargic, LeBron passive, didn't take a shot, I believe, uh, in the first quarter or, or something like that. And um, to still come back, down 14 at halftime, Kyrie, Luka, big shots, I mean, back and forth. So yeah. I think it legitimized kind of the team that they built, and we'll see what they do. It might be too late still, but I'm uh, I'm excited, man. This this win was was a lot of fun to, to be a part of and watch. Pre-deadline, there's no way. There's just no way that this team pulls out that win. There's no way. I I would I would put it at one in a hundred times that that Lakers team before they ended up trading for Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, all those guys ends up pulling out a win. This is a very very different team to me because I, I agree with you. There were a lot of factors here that went against everything everything that meant a Lakers win. The shooting at the beginning, I think they started out zero of eighteen from outside the paint. Yeah. Um, they they couldn't get anything going. Malik Beasley, Malik Beasley, he started out the game 0 of 9. Um, and I think there's just, there's this aspect of how much shooting is important to this team. And today, while they did end up hitting their shots in the second half, it was their defense and it was their transition play that really helped them get back into this game. Um I guess overall, I know you mentioned the the past three games that we've watched with this new roster, but what are your takeaways from the style of the win and the way that they ended up winning this game? Because it's it's unconventional with some of the things that we've heard about the Lakers initially, right? Oh, they need the shooting. They don't have the right. wing depth and whatnot. But now, now there is shooting. Now there is wing depth and they're playing to those strengths. What do you what do you think you've noticed in the past three or four games and specifically maybe this game and the comeback that makes makes you realize this is a different team. This is someone a, a team that you got to take seriously. So so really quickly before you talked about pre deadline Lakers and Lauren will remember this. We played the Mavericks at home, not the Christmas game, but at home. Luca hit like I swear ten step back threes. It was yeah, three I remember of them, that. But it felt yeah. like ten in the moment. One was against Troy Brown. One's against Dennis Schroeder. I believe to take it overtime and then in the double overtime or in regulation mm -hmm. to tie it. I was like, anyone else but him, please, tonight. I would have lived with anyone. Um, but no, to me, I think the biggest thing, so this game to me changed after halftime when they decided, uh, it was right before the second half, they started to pick up full court. So they told Dennis Schroeder and Jared Vanderbilt, pick up full court. So Luca and Kyrie can't just walk the ball up. And you saw that kind of, I'm not saying tire out Luca, but you could tell it kind of wore on him as the game got on, I thought. And that's a piece of like athleticism that we just didn't have. Vanderbilt's a type of player we just didn't have. We had Patrick Beverly as our wing defender, you know, and that's just, you say that out loud and you don't believe it, but that's what was being repeated to us, even by Darvin Ham. He's like, Patrick Beverly's our wing defender. So we play the New Orleans Pelicans, we throw Patrick Beverly on Brandon Ingram, which is psychotic. Brandon Ingram tore that apart every time we played him, but that was the style. And tonight to be able to throw, even we would throw Patrick Beverly on Luka Doncic and, you know, Luka's, you're not going to bother him many times anyway, but you want to at least have a standard of defense where you can put on him and put a guy like Vanderbilt on him just changes so much. And number two, our yeah. offense is just, Malik Beasley missed every shot he took in the first half, but stylistically our offense is different. We have a shooter that we run off screens now that can, start our plays off right so like most offense they start off with like a shooter coming off a screen you watch the warriors they start off with clay that's the initial action that gets like your cycle moving and now we have a guy that can do that we missed d'angelo russell tonight so you saw a lot of times the ball would swing and we get to like dennis Schroeder. he took a couple bad threes was fantastic on kyrie irving that's the reason he was in the game but those are the two things to me the stylistic difference of adding a malik beasley 
and D'Angelo Russell, who obviously didn't play tonight. And then Jared Vanderbilt's athleticism and rebounding. I always think, like, you guys watch more of the general NBA than I do, but, like, you put Jared Vanderbilt on, like, the Houston Rockets, you're not going to see, like, that type no. of impact, right? Yeah, like, you just, yeah. even mm-hmm. on Utah to an extent, they were winning, but, like, you don't get the effect that Vanderbilt can have on a game when you have other stars around it. So now you have AD with, like, I don't know what he finished with, like, 30 and 15, and then you throw Vanderbilt's, like, offensive rebounding uh, prowess into that then it just accelerates the team so i think those are the two things that really picked up for them um and why they're i think they're winning even with lebron kind of hopefully he's okay hobbled with the ankle you touched on it eight offensive rebounds for jared vanderbilt eight uh 17 total rebounds and you're right i think there is there is this aspect of like yeah uh he's not gonna have that overarching impact that he would have playing next to stars i think guys like that they just look much better next to stars another guy that kind of looks like that next to stars is austin reeves he's one of those role players that is like the connective tissue he is a glue guy he's making the extra pass he's closing out properly and then like on a pick and roll he's locking and trailing he's doing all the correct things and positionally he's so aware because he's for some reason he always ends up with a timely shot right today he hit another timely shot and it just seems like he's always in the right position at the right time. You can say the same thing about Jared Vanderbilt because those guys, they just have that connective feeling about them. Um, I guess Lauren, from your perspective, Mm -hmm. the Mavericks situation Mm -hmm. is something that (laughs) (laughs) wait, why? I I just, I'm sorry. Yeah. Where to begin (laughs) with that? Because if you look at what the Mavericks uh, showed us at the first half, mm-hmm. they were this phenomenal offense. They were like Luca and, and Kyrie were creating advantages, drawing kick opportunities. Their guys were knocking down everything. Josh Green, Tim Hardaway, Reggie Bullock, all of them were knocking down all the shots. Mm-hmm. And I think it showed you the potential of what that offense can be. Right. Like that's that's exactly the type of offense they're looking for. But at the same time, the second half, it was that that defense that really caught up to them. And it's right. been an issue so far in this Kyrie Luca, you know, saga, if you will, what, what, what's your, what's your overarching, like, I guess, concern? What's your, mm-hmm. what's your take after this game? How are you feeling? Oof. I mean, I think everybody knows how I'm feeling by now. I think my over, the biggest concern for me when I'm watching this team is just the lack of interior presence. It's pretty much been that way. Oh. It's been that way for a long time. Let's just say that. And I kind of reflecting back a little bit, even since we're kind of talking about the trade deadline and the roster shakeups, when they made the move for Kyrie ahead of the actual deadline day, I had hope that they were going to go out and actually address the lack of interior presence and rim protection and even just rebounding. I mean, my God, the, the rebounding. And Kyrie mm-hmm. had 11 rebounds. The fact that your your leading rebounder is Kyrie Irving should should, should say it all. Um, so that's, it's very frustrating to watch. Um, and when you go up against a team that has someone like Anthony Davis, who can just make his presence felt so much, it makes it very difficult. And so it was, I mean, to me, this was a very like perfect example of who the Mavericks are in terms of when they're on offensively and the threes are falling, it's like, nobody can stop them, but like that it can just immediately turn off and it is just a slow 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 painful death and so um this is i mean this game right here 
is a perfect example as to why they're missing someone like Maxi Kleba and need him to come back very mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, he's not exactly the perfect rim-protecting interior presence that they need, but right now that they they just don't have that. And when you have Dwight Powell out there playing 30 minutes, getting just absolutely destroyed and continuing to stay out on the floor, you kind of are looking over at the bench saying, hey, maybe we should try something different, and it just never comes. And so... To watch this team continue to, I guess, maybe not the team, but the coaching staff make questionable personnel decisions. Justin Holiday, who I love the pickup, but to me getting far more opportunity than he should be, especially when you have Josh a Green. guy. Yes, I'm not even going. I could take this entire podcast to pop off <laughs> as to why that is such a problem. Um, but for the Mavs right now, I think for now, and I think even the rest of the season, their downfall is going to continue to be the rebounding because we've seen this organization time and time again, go all in on offense and just say, Hey, it's okay. If our, if our defense is average, we can make it work with how good our offense is. That's just always been their MO. But if you don't have anyone to rebound, it's never going to matter. You're never going, it's just not ever going to work. And they just don't have that guy right now. So I don't know what they do. I'm not sure if they try to do something with free agency or with some of these guys that are still free agents. I'm not even sure like that buy that, out. Yeah. yeah, to me, that ship has sailed. You're a little too late. Um, you should have made a move at the deadline. To me, it comes down to, especially when you got second round picks, you could have done something and they didn't. So this is the yeah. situation they find themselves in. They got out-rebounded by 10, but uh, the Uh, points in the paint – sorry, Raj, go ahead. Just just real quick. The points in the paint here, Lakers 62, Mavericks 32. They got absolutely destroyed on the inside. Uh, And a lot of what they were doing late in the game, to your point uh, of the interior presence, Lakers were just either posting up Braun or AD, and then Mavericks were sending two, right? Sent a double team, and then it just – Started a rotation right there. Lakers got easy shots that way. Yep. Um, Raj, you were saying something. Sorry. I'll say, uh, Laker legend Jamel McGee just doesn't do it for you. It doesn't. Uh, doesn't. Uh, not quite. Not quite. To me, when I'm watching Javale, it's interesting because from the second he got here, to me, it was. It's like it's such an effort and like an attention type thing. And when I'm watching him, sure. I'm like. If he believes he's on a championship contender, I think he's going to try. Like, I feel like he got a lot of credit in Phoenix and even in L.A. with like, oh, he plays his role so well. He just he knows like how to be JaVale McGee. And then I feel like he comes here and he's like, we're not winning. I got my money. I mean, that's just how it looks to me. And that's why he's on the floor because there's no effort. And oh, my God, this team, you guys. Yeah. it's exhausting. I can, I can understand your frustration. I it's can understand rough. your frustration. It's rough to watch because it's the little things, it's the fundamental things that they just don't do. Um, so yeah. I fear that that is that, going to be the reality for this this season. That's, that's why my my next question, I guess, like just you know, Javale McGee. I know he's not in the rotation. He's not a serious mm-hmm. player for you guys. I don't know why he got right. three. He got three year deal for you guys. I think sure yeah. did. Um, yeah, sure did. <laughs> so that that'll be fun to trade off <laughs> this summer. I'm sure. <laughs> But, but um, no, I think, you know, Christian Wood is fascinating because he did have nine rebounds tonight. It didn't feel like he had a couple nice blocks on AD as well. I'm just interested, like, where the Mavs go with that. I think, like, his fit with Kyrie and Luka theoretically is good. Like, he's the pick and pop big. Just, yep. like, I think his defensive, like, you can, you know more than me, but I just, I watch sure. Mavericks games here and there. His defensive effort is very um, waxes and wanes, to be, like, nice about it. Yeah, that's I guess. a perfect um, way to put it. 
Yeah, and uh, he just doesn't seem the type that that's what he wants to be. He seems like he wants to be just this big man scorer and, and stuff like that. So do you think the Mavs, like, is he a long-term solution at that center spot? He doesn't even start for you guys still, which mm-hmm. is so fascinating to me um, that he <laughs> that he's not starting. Uh, but, yeah, like, mm-hmm. we're, like, is that a big man, like, solution for you guys or do they have to just go completely else because i think the team is obviously Kyrie and luca now right that's your core right um with i guess josh green um as well uh and then mm-hmm. see where you get a big man from there but is christian wood an answer can you extend him or is that just someone that you think they move off of this summer yeah uh it's a good question because it's it's been a really really interesting situation to follow Um, he was starting for a little while and then he went out with a hand injury and then the trade deadlines approaching, there was kind of, there were questions on whether or not he was going to get moved. So part of me was wondering, I know I wasn't the only one, if they were just sitting him with the potential possibility of moving him. Um, and then he come and then the, the trade deadline happens and then he's coming back off the bench. And so part of me was also like, is this an injury thing? Is he back to coming off the bench? I thought we kind of figured that one out. He needs to be starting. So personally, all of that combined and the fact that he's still coming off the bench tells me where they see him in terms of being a priority. And that is all tied to the extension, um, just everything that they're willing to commit to him. And personally, I do think that that's a Jason Kidd issue because there's no doubt in my mind that he should be starting. I've seen some people say, um, well, Lauren, why would he start? He's god awful defensively, which I completely agree with you. Some nights it's great. Other nights it's atrocious. Uh, But at the end of the day, I think he's still going to give you more than Dwight Powell, even though Dwight has good chemistry with both Kyrie and Luca. To me, it's not even close. So I'm going to forever be scratching my head on that one. And if I'm Christian Wood and I'm still coming off the bench and it's clear as day to everyone that I shouldn't be, I don't know why I would sign an extension here. And while I think he playing with Luca, he could be really, really solid and he could be that ideal big, like you mentioned with Kyrie and Luca. The fact is, or at least from where I'm sitting, the coaching staff is not putting him in in a position to be that ideal big for those guys. And so if I'm Christian Wood, I'm walking. And if I'm the Mavs, you kind of missed your boat to trade him. And this is yet again going to be another situation that they have mishandled and are going to have to recoup from. And I don't know that that's necessarily an easy path for them to do so. I'm still concerned, regardless of what happens with Wood, on how this Mavericks team decides to play any sort of defense <laughs> that can be enough to be a championship contender. Right. And that just me- that just means with, with Luka and with Kyrie as your backcourt. If they're your backcourt, you're committing to them, let's say for the long run, how are you going to create a defense that's just good enough to be able to be a championship contender? Mm-hmm. They were a top 10 defense last season. Last season, they were a top 10 defense. I think a lot of the, uh, you know, obviously Max Kleber, you mentioned him. He's such an important part to what they do. He's like that big wing that can guard the other big wings. Um, but you you had Dorian Finney-Smith. You still have other wings who I think can supply you with some of the stuff DFS does, right? If Bullock, if if like even Justin Holiday, Josh Green, they can give you a little bit of the defensive stuff that uh, that Dorian Finney-Smith can do. Right. But the guy in the middle is what you guys are missing. It's the clear piece that is is so crucial to making this somewhat of a formidable defense. Even if they're bleeding points at the point of attack, someone that can clean things up as your interior presence is the guy that you guys are missing. I'm not sure how that works out this season. I I really, I don't, I don't like their chances. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah, of that. I, you know what I, 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 I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. It, I have yeah, questions. It, and you should be. To me, 
ultimately their best option is going to be a starting lineup of Luca, Kyrie, Josh Green, Maxi, and Christian Wood. To me, that is going to be their most balanced, best option, um, especially come playoff time. I just don't know that Jason Kidd is going to is going to be willing to not start Dwight Powell or not start Reggie Bullock. Um, and I'd like to see him prove I would love to see him prove me wrong, but I don't know that I have mm-hmm. that confidence in him to do so. Well, you know, you're also at the point where it's like, why not? Let's just commit to offense and see if we can just outscore people for mm-hmm. for a bunch of games. Because I don't I don't see the defense turning around. No. Um and I think that's something we'll see with the Mavericks moving forward. There's still there's so many questions to address with the Mavericks. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of question marks. And Jason Kidd just had a quote saying, I'm not their savior. He he just had a quote mentioning that <laughs> I'm not their savior. I'm not the one playing out there. They got to grow up. They have to mature. This is word for nice. word what he said. Tim yep. McMahon, ESPN, he mentioned that. So, nice. look, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I feel like there's a lot of things to be said about how – they approach the rest of the season, how they look schematically, defensively, what kind of lineups they throw out there to try to alleviate some of the pressure off of Luka and Kyrie. We'll see what happens. Um, I do want to talk about the Lakers because it seems like, man, they've turned a legitimate corner. Now, is it too late of a corner? Is it too late for them to turn this corner? That is to be determined. I think there's still some room for them to gain some ground, at least make it to the play, and we'll see what happens. Um, the The elephant in the room here, in my opinion, is Kyrie, though. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, obviously oh, no. watching him firsthand today, <laughs> I, I guess I have to kind of address it. You know, the, the elephant in the room is is like, do you think Raj... The future of this team, seeing this team is currently constructed, and also knowing that the 2020 championship was a bunch of role players next to LeBron and AD, would you still go out there and find that third star a la a Kyrie? Or are you trying to build around this Lakers team with Braun and AD and you f- fine-tune the rotation role players that you have like you're doing right now? So, you know... First of all, like, I think Kyrie's staying with Dallas. Sorry, Lauren. Like, I think he's getting a, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think he's getting mm-hmm. a long-term uh, deal. I mean, uh, it's with the better Mavericks than out. him walking, you know? It That's is. true. That's true. Also, yeah. I giving Kyrie more than, you know, a one-year deal would scare the hell out of me. But um, I don't think you give up what they get. I don't think giving up, you gave up what they did and not extend him. Um, I hope we learn our lesson. And I think, you know, the Russell Westbrook thing crashed and failed, right? And he got... Scape, you want to use the word scapegoat, whatever. I was watching sure. every single game he played. Like, he just wasn't good. Like, he was not good. Like, this, it, he just was not good for us. And I think he's better with the Clippers and all that. I'm happy for him. He's able to stay in LA. I think the, the, I think the misconception is like the three star build doesn't work. I think it didn't work because Russ wasn't a star anymore. Like, I think it's a difference. Yeah, I there. agree. I think like healthy mm-hmm. Kyrie would still fit here and probably be incredible. But Ropalinka used the term, during the trade deadline, he called it pre-agency. And I was really pushing this all year is that why I was even for the Buddy Heald and Turner deal is because you need mid-sized contracts. Even look at Dallas being able to get Kyrie. You don't get Kyrie unless you have Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith on those kind of mid-sized deals. And now mm-hmm. we do. You have Vanderbilt um, signed next year on $4 million. Can you believe that? Vanderbilt is signed next year on a $4 million yep. Contract. I hope he gets extended. I don't. I'm also, not a salary Malik cap guy. Beasley. Malik Beasley. He has a team option. A team option. So rare next these year days for sixteen yep. million dollars, which is 
I mean, I, I don't know whether they des- what they decide to do with that, but that gives them the control of that contract. So I think right. they're, they're open. They're open to be able to be flexible with certain things. 100%. And I think D'Angelo Russell will get worked out with some kind of extension. Point being, like, this was a let's see what we can do this year and then build, right? The, the word build has been thrown out the window. We won the title, traded, um, you know, traded Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder, uh, Got brought in Montrez Harrell, Marcus All gave out JaVale, who was good that year. Um, we I believe JaVale left to Phoenix. And then the following year, yeah. through all the wings that won the title for Russell Westbrook, like threw away not threw away, but traded Kyle Kuzma, KCP, um, and a first round pick for Russell for Russell Westbrook in that deal. KCP now shooting fifty percent from three or whatever he's doing. Kyle Kuzma averaging like twenty three a game in Washington. Um, would have been nice to have those guys. But um, letting, yeah, and letting I think Caruso kinda, walk. Right. Caruso walk, which uh, which kills me to this day. I you know yeah. I'm scared. I'm very scared of Austin Reeves. So Lakers gave Austin Reeves a two year deal. They do this. They did this with you know a lot of other players as well. But Austin's now a restricted free agent. You got to pay him already, um, which I hope they do. But uh, yeah, so I'm hoping like they learn from their mistakes. And the front office has kind of said that they're gonna try to build with this team. And look the. The tape says it all, man. Vanderbilt has been incredible. I think Malik Beasley has been an instant kind of impact player. Even tonight, you saw he was like 0 for 6 to start. Huge shots. Took like a 35-footer. And, yep. you know, I'm fine with all those attempts. Like, to me, volume over percentage. Vanderbilt Beasley shoots like 32% from three. Teams guard the hell out of him. They chase him over screens. They top lock him on every every time when he's um, off the ball. They, they guard the hell out of him. And it just opens up our offense up. So, I'm hoping that they've kind of learned the lesson. And D'Angelo Russell, it's just been so fun to, like, have a guy you drafted at number two. And, like, he goes away to college, right? He goes and gets better. Now he comes back. I'm watching him make these, like, skip passes. And I'm like, that's what he was doing his rookie year. But now it's with all this polish and all this experience, right? And it's um, mm-hmm. it's a cool it's a cool thing to watch D'Lo back. And he's been kind of – he's really, like, accepted it and thrived in it. You see him, like, yelling to the crowd like I never left, stuff like that, just the maturity level that um, you just didn't see before. So I'm glad what they've done, and I hope this builds, and I really hope they don't just throw it all away because LeBron and Kyrie won a title seven years ago. Like, I really hope that's not the plan this summer. It scares me because I know that's what the plan this season was. All the eggs mm-hmm. were in the Kyrie basket. They Every single egg the Lakers had, they had in the Kyrie basket this summer. Didn't go that way. Kyrie did what he did. KD requested a trade. Five billion other things happened with Kyrie Irving, and he's a maverick. So I'm I'm hopeful that's not the plan. But, uh, yeah, I think they've kind of learned their lesson here, and um, and we'll see what they eventually do. But I think they're going to go forward with this team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just – I mean, you rattled off all the guys there. You got Vando. You got Bees. You got – uh, D'Lo, you've got all these guys, and S and I. Since we started this podcast, we have vouched for the Lakers to just go get real NBA ro- rotation players that can help the team. Um, of all the guys that they have added, who do you think is the most important to this current team? Yeah, I mean, right now it's strangely been Vanderbilt. I feel like, and I think Malik Beasley's shooting has been huge. I think D'Lo's been just a a uh, big time addition, but Vanderbilt being the wing defender, we just didn't have anybody to throw. And like, we've completely shifted our team. And I think there's been some like front office coaching, you know, that they're not aligned. We traded our starting shooting guard from Mobamba, 
who didn't play in the second half tonight. You know, like I, I feel like there's some just misalignment <laughs> with like what the front office and the coaches were kind of. I think they're better for it. Obama didn't play in the second half, was awful that first half. He's not good against quick guards and whatever like that. But I think like even you go player by player, it's tough. I think them as just a trio. You go from Beverly and Dennis Schroeder starting backcourt to D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. That's a stylistically change, archetype change of massive. your backcourt. That's yeah. a massive change. Not just in terms of shooting percentage. Beverly, you can look at the percentage, 33%. Has to be wide open, takes 10 seconds to shoot. Dennis Schroeder as well has to be wide open, takes 10 seconds to shoot. Malik Beasley is firing. If, you're, if, you, uh, if your coverage is incorrect, if you go under on a ball screen, he's firing. D'Angelo Russell can operate as an on-ball and off-ball creator which is the 100% difference between him and Russell Westbrook. All the loud stuff, Russell Westbrook doesn't fit, wants to be a superstar, whatever. Russell Westbrook cannot operate in those two different lanes, and that was the issue. So now LeBron can have the basketball, and D'Angelo Russell can be the spacer. And that's like such a stylistic change to me, and you run ball screens with Russell and AD. LeBron has got two lobs cutting off the baseline. He has not got one of those this whole season. He's got two of them because you have to respect the shooting and mm-hmm. Val, it was in the last game. Val Tunis had to step up on a D-low screen because you have to respect yeah. D-low coming off a – he's like yep. a 40% pull-up jump shooter. And it's like I feel like we've just entered modern basketball, which is just – it's, it's insane it to be able to sense. watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it's, it's been so it just makes sense. It just makes sense. I've uh, – so the Lakers are my second most watched team this season. That is the obviously the Raptors, who I'm currently watching losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um <laughs> And second, it is the Los Angeles Lakers. And most importantly, the one thing that I've noticed that drives me insane with that team at the beginning was that the basketball didn't make sense. What they were trying to accomplish on a night-to-night basis really sometimes didn't make sense. It felt like it was uh, they were they were moving backwards for some reason. This team, with the ball handling, with the added shooting, with guys who can uh, defend, they can push and transition. The other thing about Vando is that he plays to the strengths of what this team is good at, which is running and playing in transition. He's an awesome transition player. Um, I think that just it, they just make more sense as a team. To your to your uh, love about Beasley, the dude is playing the J.R. Smith role for what the you know what LeBron teams are. The they the J.R. Smith, the Kyle Korver, the shooter who can spot up. He is he's that type of player. And to your point about him shooting, volume is the most important thing. Let that guy chuck as much as possible because you need a guy like that to for, for guys to respect on defense. D'Lo is playing the role of that secondary ball handler, playmaker that can do all, it all for you. Which brings me to Vando. And I think the reason Vando is so important to this and what the Lakers are doing is what he did tonight to Luka Doncic. That needs to be studied in textbooks in whatever kind of basketball uh you know kind of studios or whatever they do anything that they do in a coach's training camp they need to show jared vanderbilt defending luka Doncic tonight i thought he was sensational the ball pressure like you mentioned earlier in the in the show picking up at full court but also being um like the the thing that luka loves to do is try to get you in foul trouble he's always constantly biting and pumping and, and vando was staying strong he wasn't biting on any of the fakes, nothing like that. I think being a wing defender who can guard that big body type is so important for the Lakers moving forward. That is so crucial because, hey, in the playoffs, you might end up facing Kevin Durant. You might end up facing Devin Booker. You might end up facing Brandon Ingram or Anthony Edwards. You need someone who can try at least to guard these type of guys. And Vando 
is 100% that guy. I don't think you can put Braun on those guys anymore. He has too much of an offensive responsibility. Uh, AD is obviously going to be your rim protector type, but just I think Vando, his, his importance on defense, and like you said, the rebounds earlier is is so obvious to this team. So so we had like a game last night, right, where, you know, there was no defense played and everyone's like, no one cares about defense in the NBA and all that. And then all that, you know, fun stuff that comes up every time there's a high scoring game. Um, but uh, last week, I actually, you know, I interviewed uh, Justin Allen, who is Vanderbilt's um, trainer. He's been his trainer for like three years. And uh, he says, I was, I wanted, you know, we're all basketball nerds. So I like asked him like, hey, like, do you work on defense? Like, is there a way to do that? And he said, most definitely. Like, he works on how his hips move, like when he's moving around screens and the way that like, okay, if a screen's coming this way, you have to like move your hips this way and which way, where to put your hands on a ball handler and all that stuff. You could tell that it's very detail oriented. If you watch Vanderbilt defend, it's not an accident. It's not just all his athleticism. There's a lot of 6'8 athletic dudes who can't guard a uh, park car right so it's like you watch Vanderbilt play and you and I think you know Luka Doncic was the test he did a really nice um Antonio Daniels who is um the color commentator for the New Orleans Pelicans, Pelicans. does an incredible right. yeah. does an incredible job he said uh Vanderbilt is actually the best defender on Brandon Ingram he makes it the toughest on him of anyone in the league that's a huge compliment Brandon Ingram is an unguardable you know dude with seven foot wingspan who takes jump shots um and so you could see that in his game and I think it's really awesome to have a dude like that where you don't need to be like hey LeBron go guard you know Brandon Ingram because he's not gonna can't have that on Anthony Davis yeah. who needs to be your backline guy so you can go throw Vanderbilt on him and then you pour in all the defensive work and look Vanderbilt's not an offensive player still can't hit an open three but it's more than fine because he moves without the basketball as well. Um, basketball, you know, you say screen away. Vanderbilt does that every single time. He gives the ball up. Him and Malik Beasley have a great relationship where if he passes the ball and Beasley's in his corner, he goes and screens for him, like, right away. You don't need to be told that. Darvinham isn't coaching that, you know, day one. Um, but go watch that Warriors game, their first game. I didn't even have a practice yet. LeBron didn't play. They beat the Warriors on the road. Curry didn't play, but, you know, that's near the end there. Uh, Vanderbilt goes in screens from Lee Beasley, and they get a bunch of plays. He's just a really good feel player, and then when you combine all the detail stuff that you can tell in his defense, I, I'm excited to watch him at least grow with the team. I'm hoping he gets some kind of extension, but $4 million for next year is absolute steal um, for what he's going to do. So, yeah, to your point, just a guy you can throw on wings in a wing-heavy league. You need one of those dudes. It, it still is like a switch when you guard Luka Doncic, it's your team defending him, right? He's going to be switched. You have to throw different coverages. We need a guy to make it tough. And I thought his full court pressure changed the game tonight. Like that, to me, that him and Dennis Schroeder guarding Kyrie, but his full court pressure on Luka was, was just massive. And he's been doing that for us. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, Vanderbilt, he's, every team needs one of those dudes. You just do. Um, and we've talked about the D'Lo, Beasley, stylistic backcourt, like you mentioned, even Austin Reeves being in the right place. Um, the Lakers have options now, which is not something that maybe we would have said a whole a, a, too, too long ago. So what is your ideal starting lineup for this team when fully healthy? And who, I mean, taking it even a step further, who is your eight to nine man rotation, maybe even come playoff time? Yeah, that's what's so crazy. Like we just from one trade deadline, we went from having like three or four non-NBA like people. I'm not even sure NBA players to like a 10, 11 man rotation. I didn't even mention Kendrick Nunn for Rui Hachimura. Nunn, uh, Rui mm -hmm. wasn't great tonight, but just another big six Body. eight dude that like he uh, Luca hit like I think two step back threes on him. But like you take that, you get a contested you know 
look on Luka Doncic. He's not driving to the limb. He's not getting contact, not getting to the line. And he's been good as well. I, I'm not sure Rui loves this role. I think he wanted out of Washington to get a bigger type of size. But all his, like, so all that, it's funny. You look like at a bad team at Washington, all the, like, concerns of him. All he wants to do is take mid-range, you know, jump shots. I love that here. Like, you're, go take your <laughs> mid-range jump shots. LeBron mm-hmm. AD have three people on them at all times. Go get your open mid-range pull-up. He's shooting like 60% with those. Like, go get those. Um, but, yeah, so I like the starting lineup they have now. I think D'Lo, Beasley, um, with Braun, Vanderlyn, AD. I just think that gives you so much shooting. AD and Vando have been monsters together. Their, their net rating is just really great together um, so far. And then off the bench, I think, you know, uh, Austin Reeves is probably my sixth man with uh, – Dennis Schroeder, and uh, and then from there, you can kind of pick and choose, honestly. I mean, Troy Brown like has been that. playing really well. Yeah, Troy Brown's been playing well. Mo Bamba, I think, is, like, situational there. Rui Hachimura, like I mentioned, coming off the bench. That's already nine. I To me, I think Lonnie Walker is the odd man now, which, again, is so crazy because early in the year, he was, I was huge. Thinking maybe, mm-hmm. Well, not just that. I was like, we can't afford him this summer. Like, that was mm-hmm. the thought because we can't pay him we don't have his bird rights he we can only pay him i believe like eight million dollars a year i thought he would get more malik monk situation last year who right. holy shit malik monk last night sorry i'm not sure <laughs> if i curse on here but no you're malik right malik was absolutely absurd and he was great for us too we just couldn't afford him um but yeah uh it, lonnie walker's probably odd man now that's probably the eight to nine and uh in 20 games that's hard to figure out but as like mm-hmm. you talked about when the basketball just makes sense, like it's it gives you such a head start from where you need mm-hmm. to go, right? Um, and I think that's 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 the best part about it. But that's probably my eight to nine right now. We'll see when the playoffs come. Hopefully, mm-hmm. playoffs. Damn, I can say Hopefully playoffs. playoffs. Like, Hopefully, mean it. yeah. I, I know we, we said it. the we said the p word. I was I like, know. Oh, I man. was like, I'm giving him. Okay. I'm being optimistic that's for him. Crazy. I'm giving it to him. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, look, I I think. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but from the Lakers Twitter people that I follow, uh, people seem to be split on Darvin Ham. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure, but I feel like there is some people who are like, well, the decision making in game can be improved versus this is, you know, a first year coach. There's a lot of moving parts. He's still trying to figure it out. What's your read so far? Year one head coach Darvin Ham. Number one, I don't know a single NBA Twitter that likes their coach. Like, I don't think I know That's fair. one. It's uh, so true. So, That's fair. Uh, I really don't think. Steve Kerr, who, uh, from the outside to me, was like, four title, won a title last even, year. Even Spo, which is like undisputed, <laughs> you know, he's Spoh probably too. the best player. in. yeah, and I see Heat fans up in arms at times. Like, oh, I can't believe Spo made that decision. You know, so, <laughs> I, yeah, you're right. There's no coach that is immune to to scrutiny from the fan base that's true so so just even back up a little bit i liked frank vogel like i i had to me you gave frank vogel a team last year go look at that roster eight of the dudes aren't in the league anymore you know what i mean like dwight howard's in taiwan killing it um deandre jordan for some reason is still on the team in denver uh but like that's the guy in the league like and he has no business i think kent bazemore is somewhere rolling around who's our starting two guard carmelo anthony obviously can't get a workout with any team like and those were the players playing lebron and ad missed another 40 50 games this isn't being, being a frank apologist give I'm just frank saying, like, vogel this team and he might be working so, with some special stuff yeah so moving to, to darvin ham and i think darvin was brought in half to make the russell westbrook situation work 
And to me, mm-hmm. that's bad process. Like, you're bringing in Darvin Ham to make Russell Westbrook work when you know Russell Westbrook's not part of this team. But I, I still think Darvin Ham's a good coach. I just, the process to me doesn't make sense. And he's a rookie head coach. And again, look at the roster to start this season. I mean, where were you, where was the team going? And people are like, his plays aren't, you know, aren't inventive. They're not creative. I don't care what you run. No one's chasing over on a Beverly off-ball screen. Like, it's it's not happening. No one's, you know, like, like it doesn't matter what you run. AD and LeBron are going to be doubled in the post. Like, it, like I, don't, I don't know what they wanted. But I think now that you put a shooter in, we had the shooter. I don't know if you guys, his name was Matt Ryan. We had him. He had a, he had a great mm-hmm. story. Um, yep. Yep. He had actually hit a game winner for us against the in, against the Pelicans, but he was the one shooter we had that was a movement shooter. And Darmanham was running all these like you know exit screen stuff for him and like really cool stuff. We cut him, didn't replace him with any shooter, and then we're back to this really rudimentary stuff. Now you put Malik Beasley in, you see Darmanham being able to be creative again, and he's a rookie head coach. Like I don't expect him to be great. I just like I don't know where you some of the lineups, the three guard lineups, I have a problem with, but. Again, I get it. There's locker room stuff there. You weren't going to bench Patrick Beverly for, let's say, I wanted Troy Brown to play. You know, Beverly's making $11 million a year. That's just stuff that rookie head coaches have to do. You couldn't just not play Russell Westbrook, right? You're already bringing him off the bench, even though there was a lot of games Russ shouldn't have closed, put it nicely, um, which I think the Clippers are going to now have to deal with. Um, but, uh, But, you know, I think you saw it last night as well, not to jump on the clippers i'm just saying like that i think that's definitely right we're probably gonna gonna see it tonight too with Mm -hmm. uh with them playing the nuggets yeah oh yeah so um so yeah like that i think there's a lot of stuff to juggle and now he has a real basketball team 11 nba players it looks like lineups all make sense like i like so i'm i'm higher on darvin ham than the consensus i just like i wasn't i liked our last coach like so i'm not really ready to shit on this one already so it's it's, it's (laughs) yeah right Take your time with it. Yeah, you're right. I've always, <laughs> I've always been of the mind that like, uh, coaching is important, but it's marginal compared to how important roster construction is mm-hmm. and just a team that makes sense. Just genuinely a team that makes sense. And the Lakers right now they make sense. So uh, credit to you know the, them for flipping this season around. It 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 makes a lot more sense with this current roster. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we were talking a little bit. I mean, we talked a lot about Jared Vanderbilt and what he did today. And we even touched on Rui Hachimura at the beginning of the game, kind of getting the defensive nod and the defensive assignments and being able to identify and make that adjustment and go with Jared Vanderbilt, who had probably one of his his best game this year. Um, I mean, it was just incredible. Uh, But the Lakers do have a really tough schedule moving forward. Their next eight games are either against playoff or play-in teams right now. Where do you see this team finishing the season? Uh, And if they do end up being a top top eight team, excuse me, how do you like their chances in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I think you have a puncher's chance. You have LeBron and AD if they're healthy. I think, like, no one wants to play them. Now, the team that mm-hmm. no one wants to play doesn't really win big in the playoffs, right? That's just a team you don't really want to play. And, again, I, I've given up, like, the championship or Western Conference final thing. I think that's kind of, like, I'm I'm a big believer in continuity, and I think the regular season really matters. But, like, I mean, you look the teams ahead of them. I mean, Dallas, now that, you know, you win tonight, they're only um, two games up, and they're in the sixth seed. Um, Pelicans, 
I haven't heard anything about Zion. Like, I have no idea if Zion's playing anytime soon. Um, and we're only a game back from them in the loss column. We just beat them as well. So we hold the tiebreaker. Utah, I think, is going to fall. Um, they, they're only a game up, up, up behind them. Shea got his yearly injury. I'm thinking that, you know, that <laughs> Oklahoma City is going to. The shots him uh, down. Yeah. Yeah. Shea's incredible. I love Shea. I'm just saying what the thunder do um but mm-hmm. yeah so and they've kind of uh, we're actually um ahead of them now we're at 11th place uh and portland drops at 13th so uh yeah like i think like you look at it from there but you're gonna have to win a lot of games that you're not favored in dallas was favored by six tonight i'm sure memphis will be favored on tuesday we play minnesota on friday which is a little bit of an uh easier game uh but yeah like there's a lot it's gonna be a tough road but i think like now's the time like if you're gonna make a run you yeah. have to make it now they need to win like I said I think like seventeen and six, and they mm-hmm. won their first two games out of the All Star break. So, uh, yeah. So like uh, now they only do, I don't know can't do math right now, but like they need to go. <laughs> they need to, to they need to win at like a sixty win percentage for a team mm-hmm. that yeah. hasn't won at five hundred all year. You know that's a tough that's ask, fair. but you have LeBron and AD supposedly now motivated. Didn't look like in the first half uh, from LeBron at least was looked very slow coming out of the gate. Scared the heck out of me, but um yeah they. <laughs> they they have to make a huge run here, um, but I think like you combine that with the teams, a team in thirteenth place shouldn't have had a chance. Like it should not. It's just the West is so packed together that you know they do. So, yeah. um, but it's a, it's a tough road ahead for sure. I'm glad you brought up that the West is so muddled because that's sort of where I want to transition to now. The Western Conference, which the Lakers, the the Western Conference playoff race, I should say, which the Lakers are very clearly a part of now. Uh, 29 and 32. They're one game behind uh, the Pelicans for the 10 seed. So they so they're almost there in playing contention. Um, I think it's a 13 team race. Whether the Thunder actually like to get involved in this, we'll see. They're playing with house money, right? The Thunder, like you said, they're mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're playing sure. with house money. They don't really mind, um, you know, being in or out. I think the Blazers do mind. I think they'll they'll definitely try, especially with Dame. Where do you guys see? the West shaking up, and how do you guys see it shaking up? Earlier today, we saw the Suns and Bucks, and and Milwaukee pulled out a really, really great win to win their 14th in a row. The Bucks look really, really good, but on the other side, the Suns look pretty good, and they're about to get Kevin Durant on Wednesday. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things that are being shaken up in the Western Conference. The Mavericks, obviously, we saw tonight how there are some questions that have to be answered still. The Warriors have their injury problems in Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. Minnesota obviously still missing Carl Anthony Towns, but you know, hey, they've they've kept themselves afloat all season and Anthony Edwards has been a juggernaut. The Jazz seem to be competitive. They don't seem like they're going to go away, but like you said, I don't think they mind. They're also playing with house money right now as well, which it, it makes it seem like there's just too many good teams in this Western Conference, or depending on if you're looking at it from the other side, there's too many meh and bad teams in the Western Conference. Uh, but they're all very, very bunched up together. The mm-hmm. Suns, like I mentioned, as the four seed, they are not at, like they're nine and a half games back of first. But the Lakers, actually, no, not even the Lakers, the the Trailblazers, who are now thirteenth, they are thirteen games back. So it is a a four and a half game difference between 13th in the West and fourth in the West. Um, I don't know how this is going to shake out. It's going to depend a lot on health schedule and whatnot. We talked about how hard the Lakers schedule is coming forward, but where do you, how do you guys see this shaking out? And I guess, you know, to your respective teams, where do you guys think 
the Lakers and Mavericks end up at the end of this? I mean, with the Mavs specifically, as we've talked a little bit about the remaining strength of schedule for the Mavs not being too, too bad. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of figure out, they get Maxi back, they kind of hit their groove with Justin Holiday in the rotation, Josh Green solidifying whatever his primary, I guess, role looks like. Um, So I think that they could have some things going in favor for them and they could really hit their stride. Um, But I, it's going to be completely different come playoff time. And so between now and then kind of solidifying where they end up falling in this playoff picture, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe stay where they are or even I could see them taking like maybe one step up max, but I'm not putting them top like above top four. I just don't see that happening. I think for the Mavericks right now, it really just has to, it hinders on the strength of schedule for them right now. Um, And I mean, we'll see how many games that they drop because they're just seem to be known for doing that. Uh, But as far as dropping too, too far, I don't know that I see that solely based on the strength of schedule and just the talent that comes with having Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. Yeah, I think, I think Dem- yeah, I think Denver's going to run away with the conference. I'm fascinated by them. I'm yeah. fascinated by their team structure, how that works in the playoffs, a big that's subpar defensively, how that works. I'm interested, but I think regular season, they'll run away with it. Really quick, as you said, you know, the Suns and Bucks played earlier. I think the Bucks have like the quietest 14-game win streak I've ever seen in my life. It's just, yeah. no it's, a, it's an absolute footnote. It's like, oh yeah, also they've won 14 in a row, by the way. <laughs> they just won 14 in a row, by the way. Um, but no, uh, yeah, I think Memphis kind of stays where they are. I'm interested. The Kings have a really tough schedule, so I think they might drop um, as well. And then Phoenix, obviously, giving Kevin Durant. I also think that hasn't been as loud as I thought. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, like that's just an absurd yeah. offensive uh, thing coming together. That I don't think. That I don't think. I think people have kind of gl- like, oh yeah, look at their bench. Like, do you they have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on opposite wings? <laughs> Like, what do you mean they're benched? <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, uh, yeah. And the Clippers, I'm so fascinated by this Russ experiment. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly didn't think they would go with this. I, I know Paul George screamed for it publicly. I'm just, as a person who watched every Russell Westbrook game for the last two years, like, I think the Clippers built, like, the perfect team. Like, to me, I, I thought Eric Gordon, I thought was an incredible pickup for them. Mason Plumlee is exactly what they needed. Mm-hmm. He's a duplicate of Avicii Zubac. He's not as good as him, but just an absolute duplicate. You can play the same style, and then let's just throw Russ all over this and hear Ty Lue figured out with 20 games left. Like, I, that <laughs> is just, that is a gamble of gambles in a season mm-hmm. uh, that I think is very important for them. Yeah, you can cut Russ at the end, but you have your opportunity cost of this year. It's year four of Klein PG. You Like, it's year four. Anyway, and then, uh, yeah, I think Dallas, I think Luka and Kyrie is just too high of a floor. I don't think they're going to lose enough. And then from there, I think all those other teams, depends where Steph comes back. The Lakers have a tough three-game road trip, but then they have, like, a homestand for a little while. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So where they can kind of pick up wins at as well, where it's not uh, as tough of a games coming up. But, yeah, and I think Minnesota, I hated their team healthy at the trade of Gobert. So I... I don't really like how they've meshed at all, and then Utah as well. But I think that's how it shakes out. I think Denver and Memphis stay at the top. I would expect Sacramento to drop down. I think Phoenix. Hit, I think Phoenix would go up, so I would have them those at the top three, and then Clippers, yep. Mavs, you know, and Kings all just in a bloodbath for to get first round, uh, mm-hmm. get home court in the first round. Um, should be a fun playoffs though. A lot of teams who 
think they have a shot, which is which <laughs> yeah. is the best best yeah. type of game. So so okay okay let's just let's just make this clear. The top six that are currently in the West, are we calling all of them locks to stay in the top six? We don't think the top six are, are going to change. It, are we saying that? Is that true? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably pretty close. I I could see Mavs Warriors switching if Steph comes back, but I think the rest of those I would say are locks. Okay, cool. So after this, after five, so let's let's keep it at five. The top five are locked. Okay, now we have the Mavericks, Warriors, Timberwolves, Jazz, Pelicans, Lakers, Thunder, and Blazers for three spots: six, seven, and eight. I'm just gonna go through them. You guys tell me yes or no. Okay, the Mavericks. Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The Warriors, yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm giving them yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah, I mean it, it depends on Steph. I think we can all agree that depends on Steph. But yeah. They're se- they're seven and twenty three on the road, by the way. It's which so is in, it, which is an absurd yeah. thing. It's crazy. I know Steph's missed a few games, but that's that's, that's San Antonio no. Houston level. Like yeah, no, even even when Steph has played, right. they have not looked the greatest. Um, they just have found no cohesion whatsoever. Maybe it's that championship thing where where they're just like, man, we can't get up for some of these games. They don't feel like they're <laughs> like they're really down to play some of these games. I know Draymond has hinted at that before, yeah. but at the same time, man, like you, they don't have that many years left on the Draymond, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry core. You gotta wonder or, how many more. Or that chance. like someone punched another teammate and it, you know, like yeah. Or, like, <laughs> yeah, left. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> we moved you're right. past yeah. that quickly, didn't we? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Okay, so so Warriors were saying yes to. That means there's one more spot between six teams, which is the Timberwolves, the Jazz, the Pelicans, the Lakers, the Thunder, and the Blazers. If I had to pick between those teams, I'm probably going with either the Timberwolves or the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And if it comes down to a play in between those two, I think I lean towards the Lakers, at yeah. least from what we've seen early, the early right. results of this new process. It could, it, you know, injuries could ruin that or whatnot. But if I'm taking this Lakers team fully healthy versus the Timberwolves, maybe even without Carl Anthony Towns, it seems like he's not going to be playing for a while now. Uh, I would lean towards the Lakers. Do you guys feel the same way? Yeah, that's exactly I- where I'm at, actually. Exactly. No disrespect yeah. to those other teams, but I just, that's, to me, those, that's who's left. I just think the Jazz and the Thunder will be comfortable saying, hey, you know, we gave it our, our, our yep. best. It's we all good. We got what we came for. Yep. Yeah, we got what we came for. The, the Blazers and the Timberwolves, they'll probably be frisky and they'll fight for a spot. I think between those two teams, depending on when Zion comes back, it'll be interesting to see if... Zion's obviously Zion's impact is going to be tremendous. Maybe that turns around the Pelican season more quickly than I I'm expecting. But to me, it just seems like the Lakers are in prime position to jump over some of these teams. Um, and that that comes back to sort of what we started off this podcast with is that every game is super important. LeBron mentioned that the, the this this stretch, this final stretch for the Lakers, like you mentioned earlier, Roger, 17 and six, whatever they go. They have to be racking up wins very quickly, but it is possible that they can leapfrog these teams and now be in for the seventh or the eighth seed, or I don't know, maybe even the sixth seed if they're really blowing by teams. But I think there's a chance there. There definitely is. Rajman, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, anything that you want to plug, anything that you're doing uh, with the playback crew that we should let the audience know about? 
Uh, yeah, man, this was a lot of fun. I'm really happy I got to come on with good basketball, with a good game. Um, so that that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so uh, at Twitter, at Raj Chapalu, and then uh, at Playbot.tv, you know, we stream all the games. I do film breakdowns on there. I also have some cool interviews. I, said, I think I referenced it earlier. I had an interview with Jared Vanderbilt's trainer, which is really cool. Got a lot of insight into, like, how he's the, how he became the player he is today. Have, like, a 40 40 minute video for you sickos who wants to watch like Malik Beasley breakdown and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> go into that. And we do a lot of cool stuff there and uh, building that platform up has been really fun. So, uh, but no, yeah. this was a lot of fun, Lauren. I'm sorry. I had to come on the expense of a Mavericks loss. <sighs> but again, like I said at the top, your team employees, Luka Doncic, that's a <laughs> incredible. He's on my bucket list of players that I need to go watch and see. Um, but yeah, he's this on was my a, bucket list fun. of players that need to be Lakers. No, no, no. Yeah, I, that's where I thought you were going with that. And I, I was th- like, you I know what? That, oh, no, you might just get your wish. You just I might. Thought, I thought Look, that's what he was gonna say, too. I that's like that's, that's like 2030. <laughs> Let's not worry about that. That's like 2030 <laughs> free agency. Let's oh, worry about I like that. If we can make it to 2030, you can have them because at this rate, that would be a miracle. Oh, my lord. I like it. Listen, I like that we're ending off this podcast with Raj's overarching theme. Let's stay present, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not dwell on the future too much or the past. Let's stay present. Uh, It's been a lot of fun watching these games. Post All-Star break, it feels like, you know, for some kind of karmic retribution or whatnot, the games have been awesome. The Kings-Clippers game going to double overtime and almost scoring 200 points each. Then we had the Celtics and Sixers game that came down to a, a buzzer beater, essentially. Today, there's been some awesome games as well. Obviously, the Mavericks-Lakers game, the Bucks six suns game earlier. A lot of good basketball, folks. And we are getting some guests on throughout the weeks to cover all of these new teams that have made trades and are going to be switching things up. We're going to be covering the playoff race as well. We're in for a really, really fun end to the NBA season. So Raj, thank you very much for coming. Lauren, appreciate you as always. We will see you next time at the Objective Basketball Podcast. See you later, guys. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.